0: And welcome to 3Q, where I interview industry professionals for just 15 minutes by asking three powerful questions. I'm your host, Rachel Vogel, and tonight's guest is Cassie Petrie, co-founder of CrowdSurf. Known as one of the world's leading marketing and music management firms, CrowdServe has worked with some of the world's most recognizable entertainers and brands, such as Camila Cabello, Britney Spears, the Backstreet Boys, and labels like Universal, Sony, Warner, Disney Music Group, and more. Since 2017, more than 1 billion fans worldwide have collectively followed CrowdServe artists on major social platforms. Cassie is also the founder of the company's Career Development Program, a first-of-its-kind nonprofit education series for students seeking careers in the music business. So Cassie, thank you so much for being here. How's it going?
1: Good. Thank you for for having me. I love the concept of like short 15 minute bits and I'm excited to get into this.
0: So first question, imagine for a second, you're sitting down with your 25 year old self. What one piece of advice would you give her on a personal note? And what one piece of advice would you give her from a business perspective?
1: Uh, That is a a really good question. (laughs) It's a loaded Um, one. (laughs) It's a loaded one. I feel like there's a lot of things I could say, but I'll, you know, kind of hone it down as much as I can. I would say to myself on the personal side of things, and I guess this could kind of fall into career too, but in general, the world has more opportunities than the time you have on earth to take advantage of those opportunities. And you really have to prioritize and sometimes say no to things, even though they are great opportunities, both on paper and in your heart, you just don't, you know, have time. It's kind of like when I'm, even when I'm hiring sometimes, like I get, there's three people I want to hire, but I only have one job and you have to pick the best person for the job. There comes a point where like, you know, in your schedule and in your life, there's, you know, so many things you want to do. It's like, I, I don't live in Louisville, Kentucky, but I want to go home all the time, but I can't go home all the time. So I have to pick the best moments to go, even mm-hmm. though I could think of more moments to go home and visit my family than I like physically am, am able to. So I think it's learning how to, you know, take all the good opportunities in and then prioritize amongst those and know that sometimes you have to say no to things, even though they sound great and they're fun, but you just can't physically and mentally handle them Mm -hmm. there's there's just not enough time and that's I think that's a sad realization because you want to be like I have time to do everything I want to in this life but I I don't know maybe it's just me but I want to do a lot of things and Uh sometimes there's more things I want to do than than I can do so I would say that's um you know something that I think about on a, a personal level Yeah, and then Joe, want me? Should I go into the professional? Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Well, on the professional side, I'm still coming to terms with this, but I'm really trying to learn and understand that most things that I perceive as "quote unquote" bad in my career are not because I did something wrong. Like a lot of times, somebody leaving their job at CrowdSurface not because. I did something wrong. In fact, I could have done everything right and they could still leave because digital marketing is not their interest or they had an extenuating family circumstance or they just felt the need to try something new because they're they're younger and that's what their heart told them. Um, you know, I can still do my best and CrowdSurf can still not be the right employment choice for somebody and 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 that's okay. Um, sometimes clients leave or we end a relationship with the client and I I think a lot of times when that happens I you know replay it back in my head and think about all the things that I could have done better to maintain that client or like the things that my team could have done to maintain that client and most of the time at the end of the day yes there's you know I can always think of things to do better I think that's a blessing and a curse that you know I have and struggle with on an ongoing basis but a lot of times the reason why a project ends is most of the time it's it's out of your control either. That artist has lost interest, the budget has run out. Um, there can be so many reasons why a project ends and there it's it's most of the time really, I, I think a lot of times I used to really internalize that stuff and take it personally and really beat myself up about it. When in reality, even if I did everything perfect, that pro- that project probably would have ended, that person still would have quit x thing that I didn't want to happen still would have happened even if I did all the things that I looked back on and said I could do better it's just it's the you know every a good friend of mine actually she gave me really good advice recently she said Cassie you know I just accept that one day I'm going to be fired by every client that I work with and I was like wow like that's that's freedom you know to like just accept that no business relationship is forever, like either with a client or with an employee Mm -hmm. or with a partnership or that sort of thing. Every business relationship comes to an end. Every company that exists is more than likely going to close one day, whether it's five years from now or a hundred years from now, like all these things, you know, they, they have a, a certain set amount of time. And when you sort of accept that and understand that and don't view business relationships and, you know, entities ending, is something that you did wrong. And it's just a, a course of, you know, business, natural business nature. I don't know what you would call mm-hmm. that, but it's just a, a part of how things are. It, uh, I don't know. It makes things a little bit easier on you. And, you know, just knowing it's going to happen one day and accepting it before it happens can really, uh, it's helped me find a lot of peace. Um, I also encourage people that if they're unhappy in a role, like really assess if it's, the role or if it's something else you know internally that's making you unhappy with working in general because I've seen a lot of people, you know go from job to job to job and I think they think that getting a new job is going to solve the issue they're having with work, but actually it's probably like re- not related to the actual job they're doing at all and probably related to some subconscious thing that happened mm-hmm. to them as a child or in school or it's a lot of times it's it's something, The thing that's causing problems for you at work is actually something that has nothing to do with work that you need to resolve on your Mm -hmm. own. And once that's resolved, you feel so much better, no matter where you're working or what you're doing.
0: All right. Ready for the second question. Cool. Every industry has its dirty little secrets, and we both know that it's no different in the music industry. And sometimes people think that's a bad thing, but that isn't always the case. Sometimes they can be good. What's one secret you would like to share with our listeners about the industry?
1: Yeah, so I think that a lot of times when you're learning about the music industry, when people are learning about the music industry, I think something that's told to a lot of young people, you know, this is a hard job. It's not a nine to five job. You're going to have weird hours. You're going to have long days sometimes you're going to have inconvenient days sometimes you're going to have your life's going to revolve around other people's schedules you know you you kind of you know sort of learn all those things um and you know i guess that's considered a dirty little secret but to be honest as some of my favorite career moments have been because of those long days or the event that i had to work that was at night or or it was at a concert like those those long days and the weird hours, I would say the weird hours are where the biggest highlights of my career have been working a music video shoot on a Saturday, going to um, a con or a client's concert on a Friday night and watching everyone sing their songs. Like those, mm-hmm. the weird hours are the highlights for me because that's where the magic happens. And I think that's why everyone gets into this for those those really special moments and to feel like you, you know, I'm going to quote Jimmy Eat world here but um, <laughs> to play your little part in something big. You know, I think that's why we all get into this is because mm. we want to, you know, have our little part in, you know, getting music out into the world and making people feel good and have those, you know, special moments where 15,000 people are singing the same songs. And those do happen in the hours that I think a lot of people sort of dread and complain about and say those hours are crossing your boundaries. But if you're not going to concerts and not doing the cool shoots, then I I don't, I don't know. I don't really see the point of it. I think the, the weird hours, the outside of office hours are the the most magical ones
0: Mm -hmm. in this business. Definitely. And I feel like those are the hours that you never know who you're going to (laughs) meet.
1: Yeah. Well, and like, you know, in, in music, we are people's nights and weekends. You know, we signed up to entertain people when they're not working or they're not at school. So Mm -hmm. that is going to require being available when everyone else is available to engage in those activities. So that, that Mm -hmm. is part of, you know, what we're, what we're signing up for. I think it's how we balance ourselves in the normal work hours to be available when we need to, but give ourselves a break so that we can accommodate those hours. I think that's the the sort of magic formula that everyone's trying to figure out right now. Mm -hmm.
0: That's such a unique perspective. Never heard of it that way, but I agree. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Last question. Here we go. Throughout your career, I can only imagine you've been asked a lot of questions, whether for an industry conference, the media, or even a promotion, but throughout all of those interviews and all of those questions, I'll bet there was one that you have never been asked, but would have liked to. So what is that question and what would be the answer?
1: I love this question. So <laughs> the question that I thought of, you know, cause this has been a topic with a lot of my, you know, colleagues and other people in the music business recently, um, you know, for me, that I think the question would be, why do you think so many, you know, work boundaries and hour boundaries are crossed in, in the music business? Like, why is it so much more intense in this field than it might be in some other fields? And I think it really comes down to that the music business is a dream job for a lot of people. And, and I, I really kind of compare it to, you know, the NBA. Like, okay, so let's say <laughs> you, you want to be a star basketball player and you want to be in the NBA. You're going to have to be the best of the best. You're going to have to work really hard. And you're going to have to put in more hours than somebody who, say, plays on an intramural league or a church league. Um, you're going to have to, you're going to have to be the best of the best. The reason why, you know, the hours are so crazy and people, a lot of times put in more hours than other fields is because you're competing to be the best of the best. This is a top tier career field and the, the best of the best are the ones that, 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 you know, rise to the top and not to say that there isn't jobs out there for, you know that you know have you know more you know quote-unquote like normal office hours and and you know that sort of thing but if if you want the jobs that are like I think the closest to the artist those are where the hours get the craziest and those are the jobs that are the most competitive because everyone wants to be close to the artist so you're you're gonna have to like if, if you want to be the Michael you know, Jordan of this field, like you're going to have to put in Michael Jordan level work in this field. And that's just how it is. And if, if you want to work in music, but you don't want that level of commitment to be in the best of the best, there's opportunities there too. You can still do things in music and not work in music full-time. There's, you know, you can, there's volunteer opportunities or there's part-time gigs or there's that sort of thing. There's ways to still love music and be a part of it and not be fully in it. But if you want to go fully in it, be close to the artist and have the dream jobs that so many people look up to. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's competitive, and there's there's going to be some hard work involved in that. And I think that's okay. I think that's what makes it excited and rewarding at the at the end when you really are, you know, one of the core artist team members, and you really helped me make an amazing project happen. You were a part of delivering. You know a song to the world that made a lot of people happy or made a lot of people feel related to like all all the blood sweat and tears are mm-hmm. absolutely worth it and a lot of people know that and can feel it's worth it and that's why this field is so competitive because the reward is really awesome
0: mm-hmm. definitely you should be uh, an inspirational speaker, but I'm feeling very inspired. <laughs> oh, thank you. Your delivery on that was very
1: good. <laughs> it's, it's hard because I've struggled with this a lot, you know, because I, I, you know, I, and I think rightfully so, there's a lot of movement online about, you know, better work conditions, better hours, better boundaries, and that sort of thing. And I totally get that and and understand that. And I think a lot of times, and this is something I had to learn, too. The only person who can enforce boundaries is yourself. Nobody's making you send a text at 10 p.m. at night. You're choosing to send a text at 10 p.m. at night. Like that—that's most situations, and it, it, it makes me sad to see people feel like they have to do that stuff when they—they they really that they're—they're—they're they're, they're putting the pressure on themselves, and it's actually not coming from from anybody else. So I see a lot of people, you know really struggling with boundaries right now, but I think that you kind of have to correct that within yourself first, um, Mm -hmm. before, you know, figure, you know, kind of pointing, you know, other, you know, fingers at at people you have to think about, like, did somebody say I was going to get fired if I didn't do this? No. Okay. Well, why did I feel the need to do it? And a lot of times when you really psychoanalyze it and get down into it yourself, you realize like, oh, this stems from this trauma I had where I didn't get an A on a test when I was in the first grade. It's really interesting to kind of see where a lot of these things are rooted and and where they, Mm -hmm. where they they start from. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's, you know, that's why I've been thinking about this, this topic a lot Mm -hmm. and you know, who the music industry is right for and who it's not right for.
0: Might need to get a psychologist on next time. Yeah. (laughs) Dive into these deeper.
1: Yes, for Sure.
0: Awesome. Well, Cassie, it has been so great having you on tonight. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Of
1: course.
0: And to all my listeners, I know you enjoyed hearing from Cassie just as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. So stay tuned for next week's episode of 3Q, where I interview industry professionals for just 15 minutes by asking three powerful questions. See you next time.